Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahachko, and joining me, the co-host and uh, the uh, partner in the firm, my co-cross-examiner, if that makes any sense, is Haas Reuter. Haas, good to talk with you again, sir. Good to talk to you as well. How was your 4th of July? 4th of July was pretty low-key. My wife has been uh, working most of this week. She worked Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, so she stayed home and slept on Wednesday, and I got my boy out of the house. Uh, We went to my folks' house and just, uh, you know, did a little uh, grilling over there, you know, burgers, brats, and hot dogs, and and, uh, uh, my boy got chased around by his cousins and chased them around, and I chased him around, and we were all worn out at the end of the day, so it went well. How about yours? Uh, it was it was good. Um, low key as well. Did any celebrating? You know, Tuesday night, so I didn't have to work yesterday morning or Makes yesterday sense. at all. And then uh, other than that, just kind of hung out with some friends, hung out the had dinner with the family on Wednesday night, and then had to babysit a uh, very terrified sixty pound Australian Shepherd who is just mortally terrified of thunderstorms and fireworks. So. That was quite the uh, fun end of the evening. I, uh, you know, they were they were doing fireworks in my neighborhood until about eleven o'clock. I think I fell asleep before the the last firework went off. Um, I don't have a problem with fireworks. They didn't wake up my son, which was all I was worried about. Uh, there was one rather thunderous boom of a firework that uh, had my dog running in, or one of my dogs running in the house, uh, which was fine because I was ready for her to come inside anyway. Um, but uh, you know, I don't. I don't mind the fireworks. I just wish that everybody in the neighborhood who has fireworks would just kind of pool together and, and do you know like one centralized location. So it's not you know this house on this street and this house on the other street and a house you know on the other side of the subdivision. That's all. You know, just do just you know go around and and have one big neighborhood fireworks uh, show. Is that is that asking too much? You think? Not at all. All right. I, Not at all. You should, you should run for city council on that platform. I have zero time and less interest in running for any type of office. Um, let us bring in our very special guest. Uh, he, he's been sitting waiting patiently. But, hey, when you're about to take the stand, sometimes you have to just sit and listen to the rest of the conversation first. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Rick Cohn of Coronation.com, of course, all of our all of our special guests, uh, uh, they're, they're guests and they're special. You take that however you want. But uh, they all come from Coronation.com. Rick, how you doing, buddy? Outstanding as usual. Thank you for having me again. You are not a uh, stranger to the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, this is, I think, your third time on the show? That is correct. And that is correct. In, in, in true cross-examination fashion uh, you know we're going to stick relatively to the script that we've had um 
I think the, the, in your debut, your, your maiden voyage, if you will, I don't know why I went with maiden voyage, uh, debut appearance would have worked just fine. Um, you know, we all know what kind of brought you to uh, coordination and 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 the the spot. Uh, you know that that you feel. We're not going to dwell a whole lot on that because we've talked about it in the past. But let's uh, let's jump into it, shall we? Absolutely. All right, we've uh, we, we've already established off air, ladies and gentlemen, that I have my questions ready, and Haas has his list of questions ready. Of course, they're the same questions that we've asked all of our uh, friends from Coronation. So uh, let's dive into it. Question number one, Rick: Are you a Nebraska native? Do you hail from the Good Life? I am a Nebraska native. I was actually born in Almeria, Nebraska which is a half hour north of Taylor, Nebraska. So in other words, I grew up, I spent the first year of my life in the middle of nowhere, and then I, and then I was raised in Ord, Nebraska, home of the Chanticleers. And uh, then I did a year at the university and uh, drank my way out of college in a rapid fashion and joined the military. So, so uh, now we're going to try. Actually, I'm uh, now at the age of forty-five. I'm going to try college again and see if I'm mature enough to do what an eighteen-year-old can do. So, so that is, yes. Yeah, so I grew up in the Sand Hills. I'm a Sand Hiller, and uh, and now I'm a. I'm a college student again. So. I, I love it. I'm surrounded by non-traditional students, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you, you're never too old to learn in life. Um, I credit anybody, you know, I, uh, between you and Haas and, and my wife who's going to, to school for her master's. I just don't have – this is just me. I just don't have the the will to go back to school and any any – class where I would have to write papers. I ha- always hated writing papers. Seems like, you know, that's most of what my wife does and, and has been doing since the beginning of 2015. I can't do it. Hats off to the people who can. It's just not my, it's not my jam. Well, like writing papers for me, that, that's the easy part. I hate studying, studying for tests and going over the material. I'd much rather sit down and hammer out a paper. So I'm right there with Haas. I've, unfortunately, I was uh, a, a quite a high achiever in high school, so I never learned how to study because I never had to. And so that's so I I have apprehension. I'm starting my first semester in the fall here as a freshman, and I am uh, apprehensive about studying. What so, uh, I was looking at papers all day. So. Yeah, being able to sit down and prepare and know what you you have time to formulate what you want to say what you want what point you want to get across just a lot more enjoyable than trying to review what material you need for a test and i was right there with you just back in 2015 when i went first year i went back to school after miserably failing in college when i was 18 19 years old so when i uh, went back it was a lot of apprehension but hit the ground running and as dick Vermeil used to say there's no easing into a street fight so, Rick, what uh, what are you going to be studying when you resume your uh, academia? Uh, computer science. 
So I've been inspired by our fearless leader, John Johnston, <laughs> and also, uh, so somewhat arrogantly, I am pretty smart, and uh, I figure I can, although I'm not, uh, my interests have not ran to that before, but computer science is problem solving. I'm a problem solver, and uh, I just, uh, I spent four years as a construction superintendent in uh, wastewater and freshwater utility plants, just got tired of the heat and the mud and the fecal matter. So a lot less of that in computer science. I don't know. I, I've seen some of what John shares in the Slack chat room about his job, and, and there's a fecal matter of a different kind. Usually he's like, I can't believe this stupid sh- I got to deal with today. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't think you can get away with that in any away from that in any profession. So okay. that's the truth. Well, we, we awesome. And we kind of knocked out question number two, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, Rick, we got to ask you, even as someone who's a native Nebraskan, have you been a lifelong Husker fan? Absolutely. So I, I remember a couple of kids who wore Oklahoma sweatshirts and, School, but they were just like trying to be cool by being rebels, you know, instead of little jackets. Texas fans. So, so no, I've been a Husker fan forever. I have a Husker section in my closet, even here in North Carolina, and uh, anywhere that, uh, anytime that we travel, going uh, out of town, right? Always make sure and wear your Husker gear so that you can meet all the other expatriate Nebraskans Mm -hmm. and. if, if you uh, were to look at my Facebook page, every time we go to a city, you always run into somebody. And they come up and they're like, oh, my God, Nebraskans, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And you talk and you do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon about Nebraska. And then you get <laughs> take a picture together. And, and uh, you can run into Nebraskans everywhere. All it takes is a Nebraska sticker in the back window of your car and a, and a Husker shirt in a, in a, uh, in a new town. Yeah, you just basically described my uh, trip to Orlando, Florida a few years ago, standing in line for the Jurassic Park ride, wearing a Husker shirt. Right away, out of the gate, someone from Kearney comes up and talks to me. I had a similar experience in 2000. I'm going to get the year wrong. 2014. It was the end of November. It was the Saturday that we played. Uh, Let's see if if I can. I've always wanted to test Haas. Saturday, November 22nd, 2014. Minnesota, we lost 28-24. I was in Chicago. Uh, I took my wife up to uh, the Windy City that weekend because uh, she grew up a Bears fan, and the Bears had a home game on her birthday, which was the next day, the 23rd. So we were walking around Chicago and ended up at Shedd's Aquarium, and I'm following along the game best I can, probably through the Slack chat room at this time or, or Twitter, uh, because I, I knew I wasn't going to wait till Sunday night, Monday to watch the game. And, and I ran into a Husker fan at Shed's Aquarium, and uh, I think I gave him the score. He didn't seem pit, uh, ter- terribly excited either. So, uh, But, yeah, that's you can find a Husker fan anywhere. Something about, I don't know if it, it's – I don't know if it's the glory days of the '90s where maybe a bunch of uh, you know bandwagon fans, and I don't use that term disparagingly this time around, uh, but you know fans 
appreciated the the dynasty that that was in the 90s and and kind of stuck around or if it's like you guys mentioned you know expats who uh have you know grown up husker fans and and, and living in nebraska and then have, have moved on moved out uh you know in and started their life elsewhere but but you can like you said you can always find husker fans even here in in southern illinois i remember recently seeing a, a license plate I can't remember if it was a Missouri or Illinois plate, but it the it had a University of Nebraska Cornhuskers license plate frame on the back, and the license plate itself was something like HSKRS or something like that. See, very evident that they were uh, a Husker fans. So, yeah, it, it's great that you know it's a it really is a global community because, like you guys said, you wear the red, you know, the scarlet and cream anywhere you go, somebody's going to point point you out, and you'll make a friend. And like I keep saying to Haas. Did you tell them that you're on a Husker podcast? No. Come on, man. You got to spread the word. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I was asleep at the post, you know, promoting the podcast when that happened. That's okay. Uh, we will we'll let it slide. Um, Rick, is there – do you have like a first Husker memory that, you know, where – it, you, you've been around, uh, you know, probably in, in your, you know, family, in, in your household, you know, in your friends growing up. Do you have like a first Husker memory that where it all kind of clicked for you that like, oh, this is this is why they cheer. This is why I'm going to cheer. Honestly, no, it was just so ingrained. You just grew up before you even consciously realize for us it was uh, it was. uh what you did on Saturday. So I grew up on a farm, right? You know, so there were no days off and you worked every day. And, but Saturdays in the, in a, in the fall, you would, uh, you would sit for two hours in the afternoon or three hours in the afternoon. And, uh, and you, and of course we just had an AM radio and we listened to the Husker, uh, Husker sports network and, and Kent Pavelka on the radio. Cause we didn't have cable because we lived out in the boonies and you listen to the, the Husker station on the radio. And that is what you did on Saturday. And then on Thanksgiving, we would go to, uh, we'd have Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents, but then you would go to our great uncles after Thanksgiving dinner so that you could, uh, cause they had color TV. You see, that is exciting. And, uh, and they would watch the game Oklahoma game on the TV with the sound turned all the way off and the radio on sitting on top. So you, you had uh, pro Husker announcers, right? Of course. So, <laughs> so that was, uh, and that, that was a big deal. So, so I can't point to a, a certain event that said, you know what, I'm going to be a Husker fan. It was just, you know, it's in the breast milk. It's uh past you in the womb. You know, it's in the soil or something. I don't know. It's just, it just, there was never a question. It just always was. So. It was like, that was as poetic as a speech from William Jennings Bryan. That was <laughs> perfect. I, I've never quite heard the phrase, it, it's in the breast milk, but uh, I like it. I'm going to continue to use it. Yeah, bring that into my lexicon. There you go. <laughs> My turn to, I was taking a nice swig off of a Coors Banquet there. Yeah, I, I, we, we know. 
we know that yeah. anytime there's a, a lull in the conversation, it's Hosses enjoying a beer. Yep. It's a long day. Long day <laughs> I at work. Understand that. Twelve hour shift. All right. Um, okay, Rick. Who's your all time favorite Husker? And I have a follow up question that Greg doesn't know about. Uh oh. Yeah. But I'm gonna let you answer first. Who's your favorite all time Husker? All time favorite Husker. Well, I'm not going to point to one. I'm going to say it's a combination of Tom Rathman, Roger Craig, because of the Husker connection in the 80s uh, 49ers. Tom Rathman would have to be my favorite because he is, uh, of course, a fullback. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would have Roger Craig and – Roger Craig and Tom Rathman, that would have to be my favorite Huskers of all time. I I love the scoring explosion from the 80s and Mike Rozier and, and Steve Taylor and all that. You know, those are the first names I knew and Irving Fryer. And, but uh, it's got to be my favorite was Tom Rathman and Roger Craig because they made uh, people talk about Husker fans on Sunday. Talk about Are the Husker. you also a Niners fan? So... I was in the 80s. I don't really follow the Niners anymore. I don't actually really follow NFL football anymore, to be honest with you. I'll I'll cheer against the Cowboys any time that they're on. And uh, other than that, uh, when I go somewhere, you know, with uh, a social gathering where NFL football is on, you kind of I like to gauge the room and see where the prevailing winds blow, and then cheer for the opposite team. That's <laughs> I can respect that. I can respect that a lot. So, but no, I don't. I'm I'm a college guy. I don't play Madden. I play NCAA 14 with updated rosters, and and uh, I uh, I don't watch the NFL, and I don't. I took the app off my phone that it came with on free, and and uh, it's just a big money grab and politics and. I got no use for it. So, fair enough. I can respect that. Uh, as our uh, resident recruiting guru here at Corn Nation, what's your favorite recruiting story? Or maybe not recruiting story, but a specific recruit that Nebraska signed or recruit that we missed out on? You know, the stuff that kind of becomes folklore after a while, like Emmett Smith and almost committing here at the time. We offered Marshall Falk as a corner instead of a running back. Do any of them come to mind? Any recruiting stories that are your favorite? Well, uh, recruiting is something that I have come into uh, relatively relatively recently. Mm-hmm. But the big one for me is Monty Harrison. Why did we put all the effort into Monty Harrison when everybody knew damn good and well he was going to go to, uh, you know, and we didn't recruit over him. We didn't have a contingency plan, and I think that was one of the – I'm not here to criticize former coaches, but that is one of the uh, one of the biggest uh, head-scratchers of that era was why did we put time into Monty Harrison. So I know that doesn't go that far back, but that, that is the one that sticks out for me. Uh, I didn't really – follow recruiting until I found Coronation in 2008. 
and uh, and Brian got me interested. Well, I was living in Seattle, you know. You don't have anything else better to do except for drink uh, expensive coffee, watch it rain, and obsessively, you know, follow Husker football. So, so uh, I, that's when I really started getting, you know, any interest in recruiting when I started following uh, coordination humorously. You know, that's a really overlooked recruiting story that you brought up about Monty Harrison because I felt much the same way. That was just a complete oversight on Bo's part not to have any contingency plans. And that was really, I mean, that lack of oversight was just, uh, that was basically Bo Pelini's method of operation when it came to recruiting and what made it so frustrating. He didn't address needs and weaknesses on the roster. Didn't cash in on Sue's dominance to every top flight defensive lineman on the recruiting trail. So yeah, that's basically a good obituary on the Pelini era at Nebraska. It's the Monty Harrison thing is slightly reminiscent uh, to me of, you know, a few years prior with Bubba Starling. Uh-huh. And, you know, just doing a, a, a search here, and I'm not, you know, we can, you know, hindsight this to death or, you know, Monday morning quarterback or whatever. Um, but Starling is, you know, he's 25 years old. He'll be 26 in, in a month. Um, could have played a little bit of football, but while, you know, Google has him wearing a Kansas City Royals hat, they they – you know his current team. I mean, he's playing for Omaha. He's playing for the Storm Chasers. Uh, oh, I didn't know. And I'm a bad Omaha. Yeah, well, you're from Gretna. You get a pass. Yeah, um, I'm not a baseball guy either. All right, Tweety. Um, but I, I wonder. He's warranted on that. You know what's that? Tweety is warranted on that. I don't agree a lot with Tweety, but I agree with him on that about baseball. I, I look at someone like Bubba Starling and and what could have been had he you know not used the Huskers as, as kind of leverage. Um, yeah, you know, that that's that's I think to me always going to be kind of a what if type of uh, situation. So yeah, much like Carl Crawford, yeah, Carl Crawford back in the late nineties when Solich was recruiting him, he ends up going play playing in the majors instead of coming playing college football here. And we would have had him said Jamal Lord. No disrespect, no disrespect intended to one of my all-time favorite players, of course. And at last check, someone who follows the show uh, yes. on Twitter. So, um, if you want to be on the show, show Lord, let us know. We'll talk about that 0-2 Texas game, not the pick at the end. We'll talk about that dominant grown man performance in that game. I don't know if he listens to the show. I just know he liked us on Twitter. So, <laughs> hey, we're the shot. You right. got to grow this thing. That's right. Yeah, you you miss all the shots you don't take, right? Exactly. That, that's exactly. what uh, um, Wise Man said. That a couple of them. Um, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Michael Michael Bain. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rick. Um, this is we're we're going to get back to a, a positive question here in just a minute. Minute, but uh, we ask this question to everybody. Since our, I guess our last bit of you know national relevance, if you will, since you know, since 1997, uh, we've had four head coaches in. Uh, they've all been dismissed. Which do you most wish would have been successful of Solich, 
Callahan, Pelini, or Riley? Oh, gosh. Honestly, so I have to say Solich, okay? Because if Solich was successful, we would have never went through all the purgatory we've been through, right? He would have continued that trajectory. So so it would have to be Solich. Um, I was not a fan of the Callahan era at all. I'm old and grumpy and like fullback traps. And, and uh, you know, I, I grew up a Husker fan in the eighties. So I, I like run pass options. You know, I've grown, I've evolved, but, uh, um, no, I would say when Solich took over, I was like, all right, you know, the chosen son and how are things going to go? And it just, from day one, it just didn't feel the same. It felt like from day one, the program had lost a step when you were watching games and listening and it, it was just different and, and it didn't have that electric. I don't know. I, I'm, I have said, made critical statements about Tom Osborne uh, back then. I don't know. I was one of the grousers who said he couldn't win a bowl game and, and, uh, I watched, you know, we watched a lot of losses in a row there before 1994 happened, and and uh, but Solich, I wish, I wish that Solich could have uh, could have made it go. So I think it would have, we would have, we'd be in a far different place today. As as I look at this, uh, you know, on my screen here, Solich, Callahan, Pelini, Riley. They all have one thing in common. They all have an L in their name. And that's not me like, you know, L for loss or hanging L or anything like that. Um, Osborne has an R. Frost has an R. I'm just saying it's very superficial. Let's move on. Uh, Hoss. People believe in numerology, man. We'll put it as coincidental at best until we – you know, get through a couple of seasons January with Scott Frost. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Rick, will you will you join Haas and I uh, in, in uh, New Orleans in January 2022? January 2022. Absolutely. Okay. You can count on it. This is going to be wild. Win a national championship that day. <laughs> All right, Haas, you got the you got the next and possibly last question that we have as far as the cross examination goes. All right, Rick, out of all the years of watching Husker football, I don't, I don't know if you're a Nebraska ball fan or if you follow the other sports as well, what's your favorite Husker sports moment? It can be any of them, any sport. Husker sports moment. Well, it is football. Ah, uh, my okay. man. So uh, I'm a big fan of the volleyball program, and uh, and uh, I got to go to the two years ago, the national championship. Was it two years ago? I got, they had the regional qualifier in Lexington, and I got to go to that. So it was cool. But my all-time favorite uh, Husker memory is not its not uh, one of the national championship games or a bowl or anything else. It's, uh, it was uh, 2012 is the Minnesota game. Okay? So my wife, uh, for my 40th, birth, 
excuse me, for my 40th birthday, bought me a plane ticket and me and my brother uh, game tickets to that Minnesota game. Now, if you recall, 2012, that was the game that was Tom Osborne came out the last time he retired. They did the big thing that said, thanks, Tom, go Big Red. Remember the, the crowd did the signs? I got to do that, and she gave me. She bought us killer tickets. We're on the 35-yard line. We were across the aisle and up one row from all the recruits, and uh, that were there to watch the game, and you know, got to talk to them. And and but the biggest thing. So I was in living in Seattle, so I didn't fly into Omaha. I flew into uh, there's a town in Colorado. I flew into Denver. And then I drove to my brother's, who was uh, staying in North Platte at the time. And so we left early Saturday morning from North Platte and drove all the way down the highway. But, you know, we stopped and had got coffee and a donut at the gas station. And we're driving down the highway and everybody. And, and I remember this is coming from someone who has spent 10 years living in Washington State now. Okay. So you get up early in the morning and you put on your Husker clothes and uh, – and we get coffee and a donut, and the the cashier at the counter is wearing Husker clothes. And the old farmers that are coming in there to drink coffee, they're wearing Husker clothes. And you're driving down the highway, and every single car on the highway is going the same direction. has uh, has uh, Husker gear and balloons and flags on the windows and and soap on the you know and all the way down the highway, right? Just every car, every person. And you just don't realize, I think, when you guys you guys live in, in Gretna and Lincoln, right? Is that am I correct? Uh Gretna and Gretna. Illinois. Illinois? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it makes maybe you'll see it more, but uh you just you don't realize sometimes you, you forget how big the the fandom and the fan support, you're like, yeah, 90,000 fans, blah, 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 and see a red and all that. But you don't realize everybody else in the state is dressed up and pulling and sitting around radios and watching on TV. And we drove all the way down the, uh, the, uh, you know, the interstate down 80 and pulled into there. And I got to sit there and I hadn't been to a game since I was in high school and it was incredible. And of course, we won that game, and uh, and you know it was we got to see Rex Burkhead play and and Taylor Martinez, and they all had good games, and and it was a nice, safe win, and and uh, so that was my favorite Husker memory. So just to draw this out, though, now I it's Sunday, and because this was a whirlwind trip, I'm in the Navy. I got to be back to work on Monday. They don't even know I'm out of town. I drive back to uh, to Denver to get on the plane, and I left my wallet sitting on the toilet paper dispenser at the rest stop in Sterling, Colorado. Okay? Military ID, everything. Everything's gone. I get just about to the to, – I'm about to – you know, you're almost to the airport, so you fill your rental car up with gas, you know, so you don't have to pay for the expensive gas at the airport, and you realize – you have no wallet. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, how do you get on an airplane? How do you do anything? So I went up to the rental car place and I said, hey, I did not fill up this car with fuel because I lost my wallet. And 
don't know what to do. And I've got to be back to report. And she's like, you're in the military? I said, yeah. She's like, what branch? That I was in the, I'm in the Navy. And she's like, my husband just got out of the Navy. Let me go talk to my supervisor. She goes and talks to her supervisor and says, we're going to take care of the filling the gas tank for you. And we're going to put you on the shuttle and we're going to get you in the right spot in the airport. And we're just going to take care of you. So I get to the airport and I flag down a TS, TSA uh, person and ask her, I said, I lost my wallet. I got to be on this flight. What do I do? She's like, well, this has happened before. We have a process. She's like, first go get your plane ticket and then you'll have to go to this station and they'll ask you some questions and we'll verify your identity. I said, okay. So I go to the ticket guy and I'm wearing a Husker sweatshirt, a hoodie. And he says, oh, you're in town for the game, huh? I said, yeah, he's like, yeah, I watched it. It was pretty good. Uh, and I said, well, I said, here's the deal. I need my ticket, but I don't have any ID. He's like, but you're uh, from Nebraska? I said, yeah. I said, where are you Where are you from in Nebraska? And I said, well, I'm from Ord. He said, Ord? Do you know Jack Hoppus? I was like, Jack Hoppus? Of course I know Jack Hoppus. I went to school with his – I was a year behind his son and a year ahead of his daughter. I still – I'm friends with Jackie Hoppus on Facebook still. He's like, oh, my God. It's like, we're practically a family. I'm going to take <laughs> care of you. So he gets me my ticket and everything else. And then we go and you go up to security and you say, hey, I don't have any ID. And they send you off to the side. And there's this little table with a guy. And he's got a gun sitting on the table. And there's a phone. It's a little nerve-wracking. I'm standing in line. The person in front of me that's going through this process gets led out in handcuffs. That is point, an encouraging sign. No. And so I sit down, and he gets on the phone with Washington. He starts asking questions, and they're rapid-fire questions, so you can't, like, you know, think of your memorized answers. And he keeps asking me prior addresses. I'm career military. I've lived in a hundred different places. I don't remember my addresses and I'm not getting these questions right. And he started to get concerned. And then he's like, wait, are you married? I said, yes. And he says, when's your wife's birthday? Well, I know my wife's birthday, June 25th, 1968. He says, June 25th. No kidding. I said, yeah. He's like, my wife's birthday is June 25th. <laughs> I'm going to take care of you. So he's like, yeah, I know he hasn't been getting the questions, but I think he's a good guy and he's got a report and I think we should just sign the guy. All right. Thank you. He signs my thing. And then he has me to this TSA guy who's an ex Marine and the Marine guy leads me past security. It was like the fastest I've ever been to an airport. And, uh, so that was my, uh, my favorite memory because it just really reawakened me to just and so many people don't see that you know they see people wearing red and they vote on the stinking twitter polls and blah 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 and text recruits and they're not supposed to and all that but they don't see that absolute groundswell of support that is statewide on on saturday and uh i think it's uh it's something that would it's would be awesome to do is to start early in the morning from like Scott's Bluff and drive across the state, you know, and just experience that for someone. So it was amazing. All right, really long answer to your question. I'm done. 
That was fantastic. I loved it. That was like like Norman Rockwell, Americana, Nebraska. Just that was great. Well, it, you know, and it was incredible. And 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 every time, you know, how many times have the stock photos have they used that Go Big Red or the Thanks Tom? You know, those pictures. And every time I can be like, see that little red dot? That's me. I'm right there. So. Now you, you know, laugh. You laugh. But while you were telling that story and, and uh, you know, I always try to get a feature photo that's, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if reminiscent is the right word, but, you know, I always try to pick a, a photo of, you know, like a, a lot of, I've used Taylor Martinez and Indomitian Sue, you know, when people mention their favorite you know, players, things like that. As you're telling this story and I'm hearing the joy in your voice, I'm like, I've got a, I, I Googled uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, 2016, Tom Osborne. And sure enough, there's, you know, in the, in the images, there's all of these, you know, pictures of the, the cards that they did on, on that side of the stadium and, and Osborne uh, by the, the marching band on the field. And one of those pictures originated from our very own coordination.com. So I've got that saved. That's the feature photo. Uh, and and as it ties into the rest of your story, which I'm not going to lie, I think the story of Sunday eclipses the story of the of game day itself. Uh, just, you know, how everything falls into place. Uh, it, it's, dude, that was, that was astounding. That, that That's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. And, and and only portion of it was Husker football related. So I I, I thank you for telling that story. And, and somewhere there's a TSA agent like wringing his hands, like I hope I don't get fired. I hope I don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it was it was something, you know. The Lord looks out for you sometimes, and uh, that was definitely one of those times. Let's. As we kind of put a bow on the cross-examination portion of uh, this episode, we know how you came to Coronation, and you mentioned Brian's name earlier in, in Brian and what he did on Coronation.com, kind of opening your eyes up a little bit more to recruiting, and and uh, you've kind of uh, taken that spot uh, or, or, or filled that spot. I don't know if there's a right way to say that. Um, at and I know we're very grateful for all the all the work that you do on the recruiting side of it. And in the short amount of time that you've been with Coronation, has there been any any prospect or any any? I mean, because you've been with us now through not only you know signing day, but the early signing period. Is there is there one player who? And we'll we'll go with. Uh, you know, young men who have signed, and, and then we'll talk about some of the the commits and whatnot. But is there one player whose process, uh, or or maybe the the quickness that the Scott Frost uh, staff utilized in doing double duty between recruiting for Nebraska and coaching uh, Central Florida up for the Peach Bowl? Is there is there any player in particular who signed between the early sign or you know? early signing period or, or national signing day that, that really, you know, caught your attention as far as, wow, that's, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, the, the four-star, five-star type, but, you know, the fact that this staff was able to land them in, in the abbreviated amount of time that they had just really uh, uh, kind of got you swept up in the process. So I actually, yes, 
there is, uh, and he is a four star, a high four star, and that is Caleb Tanner. So I know everyone is uh, was so excited about Adrian Martinez. You know, they pulled, they flipped him from Tennessee and got him right away, and he was their guy. And and, and Adrian Martinez, he is the future. Don't think that he's not. Uh, but uh, Caleb Tanner. So they went into Georgia, and Georgia, we just don't pull players from Georgia, you know. And uh, and they got this guy who was being recruited by Auburn, which is practically you can throw a rock from his school and hit Auburn and the University of Georgia and and all these SEC schools. And he went in there and pulled an outside linebacker who, I mean, we uh, every recruit's going to be amazing and, and all that and, and sunshine and smoke and blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, Caleb Tanner – is going to be a force. He's going to be a game changer. He is going to, and they pulled him out of Georgia, which is just unheard of. Just, just like that, and and open that doorway. And, and I think Georgia is a hotbed of talent that is going. We're we're pulling players uh, this year already out of there, and uh, and. Having him come, and he was what so many people that follow recruiting wanted, right? Game day signing, recruit video, he threw all the hats, and then he picked Nebraska, you know, and he's a big-time player. And have you seen pictures of him recently? He is. He's an apex predator pass rusher. Yes. Yes, he is. And, and in my opinion, that outside linebacker that can be that – Exactly what Haas said, Apex Predator pass rusher is what makes or breaks mm-hmm. the uh, the Eric Chenander defense. A, a monster mountain of a man in the center, and then that outside uh, linebacker running around the edge, putting the quarterback in the dirt. That is what it takes to make it work. And, and that's I, something that we've lacked so much since Randy Gregory got done here. I mean, those defenses in 13 and 14 were not great defenses, not even good defenses by any stretch. But the presence of Randy Gregory when he started to emerge down the stretch of the 13 season, he was such a game plan nightmare for opposing offensive coordinators. They had to flip protections, you know, teach their quarterbacks to audible at the line of scrimmage. And then even then, Gregory was going to, get around an OT, dip his shoulder, and get after the quarterback like a lion chasing down a zebra. And to have that, have a player with that potential on the roster is huge for us because Lord knows we need to develop a pass rush. And I think he can be that guy. And pass rushers are generally guys who can have a pretty early impact as freshmen because it's just such a position that relies on athleticism, explosive athleticism more so than uh, experience. So. I'm glad that you said Tanner because that was by far my favorite commit out of this year's class. Is there? Go ahead. Is this? Is 2018? Are we going to see him on the field as a true freshman? I would. I would assume so. I have. I have very little doubt that you will. We don't have anyone on the current roster who can touch what he can do. I mean, I, I I like hearing that, but at the same time, you know, it, it's unnerving when 
<laughs> when you know high four star that he is, uh, but when you say that there's nobody, none of his predecessors are as good as he is. So that that well, it's the that, same thing as you know in 2012 we had a pretty anemic pass rush. Sure. Um, we couldn't get to anybody. I mean, Eric Martin was a decent edge rusher, but he just wasn't your typical athletic freak of a pass rusher that you need. And uh, then in 2013, with the emergence of Gregory that year, it changed things for us. We started to get to the quarterback. Uh, we were able to get, even when we didn't get home on you know the pass rush, we were able to alter the quarterback's you know progressions and hurry him into an earlier throw or Gregory demanded so much attention that other guys would come free. So it could, pass rush can be fixed pretty quickly. You just got to have that one guy who can just change everything for an offensive game plan. Yes, and I know that uh, I know everybody says the quarterback is well, you know a player that uh, can change the the team and the game so quickly, but. Uh, the three most important people on that field for me, but now I grew up a lineman just like Haas did, and that is uh, center, uh huh, the nose tackle, and that outside linebacker. And number one things. being the outside linebacker. You got those three things. You got a chance more often than not. So they, yeah, they can make up for a lot of deficiencies. That's all I'm saying. I like as I'm, I'm just googling it as as I'm listening here, and uh, the the measurables between uh, uh, Caleb Tanner and like a Will Honus, they're not very different size wise. Uh, you know, Will is uh, you know, listed at, at at least let's go back to signing day. I should say was listed at six two two twenty five. And Tanner was listed at, I just had it here a second ago, I, I believe it was around that 6'2", 225 as well. Um, maybe 6'1", something like that. It just... He was 6'1", like 215 or 220, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's pretty... And, and again, these are, you know, before they get into uh, Zach Duvall's weight program and, and uh, you know, some of the uh, better facilities in the country... I'm excited, uh, and, and I think I'm, you know, I, in fact, I know I'm not alone in this, but I'm just excited about what these additions are going to do to the pieces that were already in place. And, uh, you know, obviously we've seen some attrition in the offseason, and we've seen some of uh, the pieces be that they were, you know, bigger cogs in the wheel or not. Uh, they've moved on to, you know, try to better their situation, and I don't, you know, blame them i mean they got to do what they think is best but as we talk about now the class of 2019 there has i mean we hoss and i have been talking about it briefly you know here and there um working around the cross examinations uh but it's it's kind of been at least what seems to me a a busier off season as far as recruiting and, and getting some commitments than Usual. I mean, what, what's your take on that, Rick? Well, first of all, uh, it seems that uh, this this staff, they do a lot more of ninja work, striking from the shadows. There has not been as many players that I have been 
are, you know, hey, this guy's going to recruit. I can start looking him up. You know, this guy's going to pull uh, pull the trigger for us. It's I, I you know, I uh, pick up my phone. I flip through it. And I'm like, who's this guy? He re- he signed for us. Where'd he even come from? It seems like a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been a reacting. I've been reactive, not proactive quite a bit this this recruiting season. So it's that's the best it, way to put it. All right, been, I'm in the same boat. So it's been tough. Uh, sorry, repeat your question for me. No, I was just saying that it, it seems uh, this off season it, versus you know some of the the previous off seasons have been just a little bit busier. Uh, you know, as far as you know, I, I, I like your your way of, of putting it because not only is it not only are they getting some names that maybe are, are not as obvious, uh, you know, at least in this stage of the game, but kind of out of nowhere, you know, you, you'll see a commitment, you know, pop up on social media on Twitter or something like that, and it's it it, it just seems like it's it's happening with greater frequency at at this point than you know, like a year ago, two years ago you know, four years ago, things like that. It just it just seems like this staff is maybe not sitting back and, and resting on its laurels. It's getting out there and trying to, you know, make some things happen before the season starts, before they start to really get, you know, into the busy, you know, season game prep type stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, and one thing, they have uh, put a lot more time into uh, – develop or uh, identifying talent that's that's one thing you know uh, some people have expressed reservations about uh, the, the star ratings and and all of that of the players that we've been signing but uh, now this is anecdotal but I want to point out Maurice Washington last season he was uh, this bottom he was a low three star nobody knew who he was and Scott Frost was in on him and already had a long-standing relationship with him and said, we want this guy. And then he went to that all-star game and set records, scoring records and yardage records and exploded. And then they reevaluated him and he's a high four star and he's, you know, getting attention from Ohio state and everybody else. And, but when, when Scott Frost was looking at him, he was barely a three-star, and nobody knew who he was. So I'm not worried about the, the ratings of the players that he's getting right now. And the other thing, you got to remember, we were hamstrung compared to every other program. We didn't have any – we had like two official visits left, maybe one. It was it was kind of different compared to the, who was counting. And uh, a lot of other players that are – you know, we're like – our recruiting class is like 10th in the big, in the big 10 right now. We're, but you know, he's, he's playing the cards that he's dealt right now. So I got a little bit of sunshine there. You know, he's got to, he's got to play the cards that he's dealt and that's what he's doing. And he's getting players here that uh, fit his system and that are going to uh, move up and up and up as their, the evaluations continue to, uh, be made and so I'm not too worried about it. And the other thing that he's got is uh, when I'm looking at these, you know, when we had all those uh, high four stars 
last year. Here you're looking at these guys and you're wondering, wonder how many of these guys are still going to be here in uh, in February. You know, sure. Bucky, Bucky, you know, Joshua Moore going to stay. Joshua Moore, you know, you're like, yeah. I mean, we've all been uh, left at the dance too many times, and we're we're wondering how many of these guys are going to stay. Well, when you look at the recruiting class that we have right now, every one of these guys is going to be there in uh, in February. I mean, there's there's just no, you know, these are all solid gets who are you know completely in the camp. They're not guys who are still, you know, uh, they're not placeholders. Does it seem like it used to be, you know, you get a good guy and he he would commit to us and then he'd keep looking to see if, you know, we were his backup in case he didn't get that job that he wanted. And I don't feel like we're getting – those are not the guys that are that are committing to us this year. These guys all want to play for Nebraska. Do you think – and I'll, I'll throw this out to both of you. Um, I make no secret that, you know, one of my favorite podcasts uh, that I listen to – in fact, it's the only – you know, other Husker podcasts that I do listen to is it's our friends from the Big Red Cobcast. Uh, you know, Pat and Ryan and, and even Joe. And I say that jokingly with Joe, of course. Um, but they're, I don't know if concern is the right word, but it's not uncommon for, you know, 17, 18 year old kids to, you know, commit. It, when they commit to Nebraska, it elevates their profile their their spotlight you know that they shine a little bit brighter what kind of piggybacking on what you said about thinking that some of these kids might not you know are are, you know thinking these kids are you know once they commit their just maybe one one step shy of uh, etching it in stone but what what about that I, i won't make it so nebraska based but that growing phenomenon of of yeah i'll you know, I might be a three-star. I'll take. I'll commit early to you know this big. And maybe, maybe I'm getting it. Maybe they weren't talking about commitments. Maybe they're talking about the the social media, you know, offers. So like, oh, I got an offer from uh, Nebraska, but you know, their other offers are from I don't know Boise State and or Fresno, some you know something like that. Central Michigan. Central, yeah. You know, and they they put that notice out there that you know they got a. They got a power five offer. Maybe that's what it is, offer and not so much a commit. Um, what is – I know that without social media, without Twitter, there's not a whole lot to talk about with recruiting because you just don't hear about it as much. And, and these uh, players are, are pretty engaged. You know, and I don't, I don't play into that. I don't – I mean, I don't follow most of the players that are on the team. Only – I can maybe only – you know, follow or count on probably one hand number of players that I follow. Um, but as far as social media goes, is is it a hindrance or is it uh, uh, helpful to you know, in your opinion, for you know a, a three star? You know, like a Maurice Washington when he was you know a low three and not you know you know not really a blip on anybody's radar to say, oh, you know, I've. Uh, blessed to receive an offer from central Florida. Well, when that staff goes to Nebraska, that, you know, then he says, bam, I'm blessed to receive an offer from Nebraska. And how, talk to me a little bit, your opinion on, on social media and its impact on recruiting. Well, I don't know that I have a, 
some people there, there's been some statements made on Twitter and other place on social media about these kids got to quit stroking their own egos by talking about they're blessed to receive the 21st offer from University of Northwest Missouri State. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. So, so you know what? Uh, you got that offer. Put that out there. Be proud of it. And if that makes – and if that adds to your leverage – you know, and gets you interest. You got to remember these these kids. They are, uh, you know, they're trying to yeah, they're trying to start a career here. They're trying to make big decisions in their life, and and just because uh, one of these kids doesn't go to Nebraska doesn't mean that you know it's not good for him. It's good for him to get the best possible school with the best possible opportunity for success, and. If if they put out, out there that they're getting these offers and it causes other people to look at them and they get better office offers, you know, that's it's it's a system, you know, and they didn't invent the rules and they're playing the game that is out there. And I don't have a problem with that. What is the saying? Don't hate the player, hate the game. But mm-hmm. but I can't fault them for uh, for doing that. And. You know, and it surely makes my job easier. So, <laughs> so, but you know, I mean, that's that's how many, so many of these kids communicate. And then you put out there that you've got a offer from, you know, University of Nebraska, and then some of the more active and vocal uh, players, you know, they start tweeting at you. You know, Luke McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey, right? Our, our quarterback recruit for 2019. He'll be out there and say, you know, he he can do peer recruiting. He can, you know, and and so I think it's a tool that can be. It's it's just a tool. It's not an evil tool or a good tool. It's uh, it's in how you use it. You know, you can you have a baseball bat, you can wrap it in barbed wire and kill zombies with it, or you can play baseball with it. It's just a tool. So how you use it is up to you. Nice uh, Walking Dead reference there. So, well, I'm sure that I'm sure that somebody uh, watches The Walking Dead. Excuse me, watches The Walking Dead <laughs> and cheers for Oscar football. I'm I'm one of those. Uh, by the way, now I want a sitcom called The Washing Dead. Uh, the Washing Dead, and it's all about zombies who own like a, a either a laundromat or a, a dry clean place. Uh, that'd be brilliant. My Sounds like a great situational comedy. It could ha- it could work. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about and and I know Haas is chomping at the bit to talk a little bit of offensive line, uh, and we were fortunate enough. It, I can sometimes feel like when Haas is getting jittery when when he doesn't get to talk O line very much, uh, but week before last or so, give or take. Yeah, we'll call it a week. Uh, we did five receive five days ago. What was it? Just five days ago? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I you know, I, I I get my time all confused because we record this Thursday night, but it's not going to drop until Saturday morning. So anyway, I know we're all over the place. <laughs> uh, but we did re- receive a really nice uh, commit from uh, an offensive lineman, and uh, Hoss, this is your bread and butter, and I'm bad with names, so I'm going to let you guys 
talk a little bit about uh, the the offensive lineman that is uh, pledged his allegiance to Lincoln, Nebraska, and Coach Scott Frost. Yeah, Matthew Anderson from uh, I believe Leesville, Louisiana. That is correct. And uh, like Greg and I were discussing on Saturday during the podcast, for an undersized guy, you know, I think he's only about I think two hundred and seventy pounds. Um, that that's a good baseline to work with and developing a good offensive tackle through strength and conditioning and just on-field development because as someone who follows recruiting you understand as well as I do about how top flight OTs are hard to come by they're going to go places that win and they're going to go to places that they can play early and until we start getting to the point that we're winning like Greg Austin alluded to back in December upon being hired that the wins, you know, once those come rolling in, we can start winning more on the recruiting trail. We're not going to be able to sign those top flight offensive tackles, and we're going to have to build our own offensive tackles in the weight room and on the practice field. So I'm really intrigued with a commitment like Matthew Anderson. Uh, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. We don't get to have some great debate. He is uh, – so – if you look, versatility and speed, those words are mentioned every time that uh, we're looking at a prospect or we're looking at a commit. And uh, and this is another guy. He's fast. He's athletic. And he is not a guy that you're going to have to reshape. He's a guy you can sh- shape. And most offensive linemen, they're made – Right, you don't get a you don't get a ready to play guy. You don't get very many of them. No. No. And uh, and this is a guy who, what do you call it? Uh, no bad habits, right? When you're trying to learn something, it's better to have someone who's untrained because they have no bad habits. He's going to have no bad weight. He's and uh, and when you watch him, the, the, so I was an undersized uh, offensive lineman. I played offensive guard and and some tackle depending on uh, the off- the defensive front that we faced. And, uh, and well, you learn to cheat like hell is what you do. But you learn to the, – the official term for that is refine your technique. You learn to refine your technique and work on your leverage and, and, and your foot placement and your how you use your hands and, and when you use your hands and, and when – when you hold, I didn't say that. And oh, everyone holds. The great ones get away with it. So, so you learn how to make all that happen because you don't. You can't be lazy and just be a three hundred and fifteen pound guy and just mow people. You have to learn how to drive with your legs and get under those bigger players and and and. So, I think that is going to help him a lot. He is going to be technique solid, and you can just give him to Zach Duvall, let him come back. You know, he'll make the bigger, stronger, faster, and make the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha sound as he runs down the field. And so I I believe he was a uh, – he was unranked now. He, they're calling him a three-star, and kind of – so I think he is uh, a great get. And – Absolutely. Those guys like uh, Foster Sorrell from a few recruiting cycles ago, you know, they're you go after him, you give it all you got. But when you're in our position right now, 
you're going to lose that battle in recruiting more often than not. So really got to build. And we got a guy like that, you know, Brendan Hymas as well, and Matt Sichterman. So um, I'm looking for – I like what we have in the hopper on the offensive line. I think we are one elite center away from being a top 25 uh, offensive line. I'd agree with that. And I really hope a guy like Desmond Bland, that uh, offensive guard from Arizona Western, who's projected to play center here, I think he could be that guy. I know his uh, junior college coach mentioned that he projects as an NFL center. I would would love that. He is a... And I'm actually sitting here watching his huddle video as, as we speak, and he has great feet, and he doesn't let those guys uh, push him around. Yeah, he's a mauler. So it's fun to watch. Off the most fun uh, huddle videos to watch, right? When you're when you're working on these uh, recruitment articles or defensive line, but offensive line is nearly as good. I mean. You know, you watch the wide receivers and they make the big plays and you watch the running backs and they, you know, they squat, they scoot through holes and all that stuff. But you watch a lot of that. But just watching defensive linemen just destroy quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Highlights are great when you're watching defensive linemen videos and offensive linemen just pancaking, pancaking, pancaking. Uh, that's those are a little bit more enjoyable. Oh, yeah. It's a science. The sweet, it's like boxing, the sweet science. Rick, before we let you go, uh, do want to uh, bring up the the fact that not only do you you know contribute to coordination and do you know the bulk, probably if not all of our, our recruiting, but you're also uh, and, and this is a true connection to the Sand Hills. You also uh, play around in the rodeo arena. Let, let's talk a little bit about that because I know that you've shared some stories in the off season about uh, some of your uh, weekend activities. I'm not rodeo savvy, and, and by that I mean when I lived out in uh, the Panhandle in Dawes County, County 69, represent. Um, I got sent out by the radio station to take some pictures uh, for the website of the rodeo that was there in Shadron, and. I'd never been to a rodeo before. I remember vividly I was wearing uh, jorts because it was 2003. They were still in fashion. I was wearing an Albert Pujols St. Louis Cardinals jersey and a Cardinals ball cap fitted that was backwards. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy because jeans, you know, flannel, boots, cowboy hats. I, I stuck out like a sore thumb. But I have a certain appreciation for the rodeo. Uh, what uh, events in, or event or events do you uh, participate or compete in in the rodeo, buddy? Okay, so uh, first of all, I'm not a rodeo cowboy. I didn't say cowboy. So uh, what me and my wife, uh, what we do, I would say we'll call it a hobby because I haven't got obsessed yet, is uh, – we do. It's called extreme cowboy racing. So it's you're displaying control and speed at the same time. So you uh, they'll set up an obstacle course and you'll run around the obstacle course and show that you have control of your horse. And then you'll go over like through a water tank and 
you'll open a gate from the back of the horse and go through, and then you'll walk over a tall bridge that makes weird noises, and then you'll rope a calf, and then you'll run out. And so it's just fun things to do that actually have purpose and real-world parallels, only it's, you know, in a controlled environment and stuff. And and it's it's just a fun thing to do on the horse. My my wife is horse crazy, and uh, and she wanted something that we could both do. And so somehow we, you know, it's one of those things where you through a series of you know serious life errors, you end up with multiple horses and <laughs> find yourself uh, uh, cowboy racing. But uh, it's a lot of fun and and. You know, we go camping for the whole weekend where we have the horses and and travel and meet people. And I've got to meet people from California and Texas and Oklahoma and Indiana and and Florida and and uh, you know get to hear their stories and 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 that's that's always interesting. I. I, I full-timed in a travel trailer for uh, a couple years once. And, it, you know, every month, you know, there's someone else there and every week and you get to hear stories. And I always enjoyed that. And that's that's one thing I like about the, the cowboy races, all the people you meet and, and everything. And, and I can go out there with my horse and we can actually work on a specific thing and there's a reason for it. And unfortunately, that's the way I am built. And I need that reason to do something. I need the why, and cowboy racing gives me that. So, so I'm not a great cowboy racer, but it's fun. And my horse, he isn't fast, but he's awfully pretty. And and uh, well, you know, if you can't be on a fast horse, you might as well be on a pretty one. So, can I end on a joke that's certainly going to probably get some negative feedback uh, on the comments and, and tweets and whatnot? I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you ever lose to any of the uh, cowboy racers from Texas by like a second on the time? <laughs> oh I'm my! I'm sorry. He's listing down the states of some of his, uh, you know, competitors and people that he meets, and he he says Texas, and damn it, that's the first thing that popped in my mind, and I couldn't I couldn't escape without without getting that out there, and if nothing else, because somewhere. This is gonna, you know, Brian is is looking down and 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 I don't usually use this phrase, but Brian would. And if I said that joke and and Brian was here, he'd be like, "God damn it, Greg!" <laughs> so, um, I don't know what to say. But let's put it this way: if I l- lose by one second to a Texan, somebody's gonna have either a black eye or a limp. <laughs> All I'm saying. It's going to be the Probably me, but, uh, oh, that game. Just don't even, just don't I, even go there. Don't I, even go there. All right. Still not over it. To, we'll to we'll all, exhume that at a later date. To all the listeners, uh, I apologize. Um, anyway. No, I yeah, well, you should. I should. I do. Uh, Rick, where can people find you on, on social media so that they can get all of the uh, latest recruiting news? Uh, you can find me at uh, Ugly Dog Fifty Six on just about everything, and uh, this fall you can find me at Appalachian State University. So, go Mountaineers! Go Mountaineers! 
and I'm not going to lie to you. One of the reasons I picked them was because they beat Michigan in 2009. <laughs> so such a great moment. And just like that, we get to end the show on a positive note because a little Big Ten hate, a little a little Big Ten hate, and we'll be in Ann Arbor to uh, uh, stick it to them in September. I say we, meaning the Huskers, not we, meaning the three of us, because I'll be working. Well, we're not having a college game day special, five heart game day special for Ann Arbor. Ah, uh, no. Uh, is Home Depot going to pay for it? No, Home Depot won't. Lowe's might. Or at least yeah, we'll like get a Lowe's. Maybe Menards. Tractor Supply Company. Oh, hell yeah. I need a new pair of boots anyway. <laughs> and that's where we get uh, our dog food. So, um, hey, just a quick reminder, everybody, that uh, you can listen to the show. Of course, you can listen to it on coordination.com through the Stitcher uh, plug-in that I, I put in there. I had to take the Podbean one down temporarily while we work to get that fixed. It works on the Podbean app, but not on podbean.com. It's a work in progress. Of course, jitterymonkey.com, the the Podbean app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. And, Hoss, I told you about this uh, earlier in the week, but we did get a comment on Podbean, uh, somebody with a lot of numbers and letters in their uh, Podbean email address, which may or may not – be legit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call it legit. Uh, said that uh, something like great show or good show, and they enjoy our discussion. So, uh, thanks to the uh, Podbean listener who left the uh, comment, we do appreciate that. And if you want to join the discussion, you can always do so by uh, following us on Twitter at the number Five Heart Podcast or liking the show on Facebook at Five Heart Podcast. Just look for that jittery monkey that's throwing the bones. Uh, it's kind of hard to miss. Uh, as you heard, Rick is uh, on Twitter at Ugly Dog Fifty Six. Hoss is at Hoss Reuter, and I'm at the Hooch Thirty Six. I want to thank you all for making it this far in the show. Thanks to uh, Rick for joining us, staying up late because he is hitting the road first thing in the morning and going on vacation, and I don't blame him. And uh, Hoss, you're hitting the road first thing in the morning and going to work. Yep. So am I. Uh, that that four thirty alarm is going to be awful damn early. Um, so that is yeah. it. That is it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Thanks again. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite uh, podcast app, and we'll do it again next week. And uh, for uh, Hoss and Rick and myself, all right, we got to get our parts. I'm going to say my part. Uh, Rick, you've done you you've been with us before. You know. After I say my you part, know the second part, you know the second part. We got this. We're ready. Uh, We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Keep winning the damn offseason. Yes. Three for three. All right. We're out of here. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. 